you're welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is eight minutes after the hour, and we have uh, State Representative, Second Amendment supporter, Chuck Basie on board with us. From Graffs, we have Garson in studio, and Dale Roberts. Can't go wrong there. Good team. Good morning, all. Good morning. Good morning, morning. Gary. Uh, we've got to start this uh, with the... What the hell are you... What the hell are you doing, Brian? <laughs> uh, that's not me. That's coming from the other studio. I'm not sure what that is. All right, listen. Uh, we got to we got to start this with Alec Baldwin. He is in the news. Uh, he was on the set of a movie, uh, and he was handed a gun. They're calling it a prop gun. It's a real gun used as a, uh, you know, being used as a prop. Apparently, it had live, real, honest to god rounds in it. He squeezed off around, killed uh, one woman, and injured uh, another guy. And I talked about this on uh, Friday's show. And I got excoriated uh, by somebody um, on Facebook. Uh, who is it? It's Steve. Steve Brown says, I love the experts on Facebook and radio, like Gary Nolan, saying you never point a weapon at anything you don't want to kill or destroy, or something like that. Good grief, it's a movie. Matt Dillon did it all the time. There's just so much more to this story other than gun safety gone wrong. And by the way, for your information in real life, away from make-believe, all guns are loaded, period. But I got to tell you, Dale, I stand behind that. I think this was irresponsible. He pointed a real gun at somebody that wasn't even in the... It's not even part of the script. It wasn't an actor. They weren't rehearsing a scene. Um, I think it was, you know, he he's handed a gun and he doesn't check it. Even when we're sitting around the console handing each other firearms, we're always careful to, you know, to have the, the cylinder open or uh, the slide pulled back. And, and it's, 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 it's acting responsible. Don't you think he might have some civil or legal liability here? Absolutely. And and you're right. I mean, we yes, there are times when it's appropriate to point a gun at someone. We we train for that, um, or one should train for that if one's going to handle a gun. But you know, I, you have to love the language they use. It was a prop gun, as if that's okay. Um, the gun went off. Oh, you mean all by itself? You mean it wasn't Alex's fault? He didn't do anything. It just went off. Uh, you. You're responsible for your actions with a firearm. It's not a toy. You know, if you're going to point it to somebody, you really must know what you're doing. Uh, on a couple of occasions, I've been, uh, I and some friends have conducted a, a mock bank robbery at local banks here in Columbia. And we used firearms and we used blanks. And we checked those firearms over and over and the blanks over and over and over again every time before we went into the lobby and started popping off rounds and fake robbing the bank. Um, Did you actually point those guns at somebody or in the air or we, off to one side? We pointed them in the air and, uh, and pretty much off to the side. You see, I, Garson... Uh, I'm, I've not been on a movie set, so I don't know for sure. But I, I don't think you generally um, 
point guns around at people who aren't other actors in a scene. And even then, I'd be willing to bet that they use different camera angles to make it look as though, um, you know, they're shooting at each other. I think there's a very, you know, occasional rare uh, happening where, where they shoot blanks at one another as though it's real. Does this seem a bit irresponsible to you? Well, it's completely irresponsible. And there's failures throughout this entire movie production for this to happen. So one of my one of my domestic customers is a company called Joe Swanson's Motion Picture Blanks. Mm-hmm. He is one of the largest suppliers of blanks to uh, the TV and movie industry. Um, and he, he told me that 90% of the guns you see in a scene are painted dummies and not an actual firearm of any kind. And, like, so if you see a gun holstered, no matter how real it looks, it's 100% not a real gun. Um, when they're handling guns, 100% not a real gun. Um, they're, they're all dummies. Um, there's very few firing firearms used in movie production. Um, that being said, movies like Saving Private Ryan, um, there was probably a lot of firing firearms in that movie used as props. Um, and, yeah, they probably do some photography in certain ways to make it look like um, they're, you know, aiming and shooting at specific people. But, um, you know, some of those shots are probably unavoidable. Um, but there's a whole team. So m- the movie doesn't own the guns. There's a there's a company that rents the firearms to the movie. Um, and those are normally uh, modified in such a way so they cannot fire live ammunition or if they're used to show, like, if somebody's loading up a gun or using something that looks like live ammo, it's dummy ammunition and it's very tightly controlled. There's, you know... They've got an armor on the set yeah, whose job it is. Well, not just one. They've got multiple. Um, normally, each each person that has a gun that is operational has somebody dedicated to them to maintain those firearms for that actor. I know that uh, CMMG, uh, when they came out with their uh, MK uh, uh, kind of AK-47 AR-15 combination rifle, when they came out with that, uh, some folks from Hollywood uh, used them in movies uh, and and they were real. Uh, I know that when they're using uh, the fake ammo, that they generally put a little extra powder in there so that when the gun fires you can you know you can catch it on camera and it looks like it's really a, a bullet uh, but I think this woman was not in the movie she was not somebody that he would rehearse shooting at and yet he took a gun a real gun didn't check it and and pointed it at Someone uh, and squeeze the trigger. It, it, Chuck, is that not insanity? Uh, yeah, I was very surprised by it, and uh, you know, I was always brought up uh, to treat every firearm as if, as if it was loaded and never pointed at anybody. Um, so, and then you know, when I joined the Marine Corps, they of course uh, reinforced that concept that uh, you never pointed a firearm at uh, anything unless you intended to pull the trigger. So, um, yeah, very irresponsible, and um, unfortunately for Mr. Baldwin, he has a a long record of being very outspoken against the Second Amendment. So uh, uh, it's a terrible situation. I got a 
I got to say one thing. Everything that I I read on on the internet about this is it's all focused on him and uh, very little said about the uh, the young lady that was uh, shot. So I, I feel very very bad for her and her family. Yeah, uh, I, we all feel badly about that. It, it's uh, it, it, but it is uh, a question about who is actually responsible for this. Uh, and I would I would argue that uh, there's a liability enough to go around uh, well, the armor. It's, it's 100% Alec Baldwin's responsibility, period. Well, and I think especially so, some of the stories explain that this this gun had misfired before on the set. Several members of the crew had walked off the set hours before the shooting over safety concerns. So, as if it were necessary, it's not as if they weren't on notice that there are firearms problems on this set. Well, you know, this is a Western, uh, so we can assume it's a revolver, not a semi-automatic. They're usually pretty damned reliable. Uh, And even even if the gun failed to fire in the past that's hardly an excuse uh for what uh, for what transpired all right we're up against the clock got to take a quick break you're listening to gary on guns hot talk 93.9 the eagle 22 minutes after the hour chuck basie on board state representative second amendment supporter and uh, then we have dale roberts on board he is an attorney that's really good because uh we got to talk about the law here and then uh, we have carson in uh from from graphs uh and uh do we have any firearms that that aren't yours personally, Garson? Because usually you. Well, I mean, right now, yes, that may change. <laughs> All right, we'll try and keep up. We'll go over that uh, sometime in the next hour. In the meantime, if you just turn the radio on, we're talking about Alec Baldwin. A couple of observations for me is one that if this guy who has bloviated repeatedly about being so anti-gun, if he had any knowledge of firearms. He would have known to do what we've been talking about, and that is to make sure that it's unloaded and not to point it at anybody. Fox News uh, interviewed some people who are apparently uh, involved in the movie-making process. Uh, Film and prop historian Michael Corey told Fox News the person responsible for loading and ensuring that the firearm is ready for a scene is called the armor armor uh, or weapons master you're supposed to have an armor and an assistant armor then there are several steps you're supposed to go through to ensure that a weapon is loaded correctly with the correct type of blanks because there are more than one type of blank there's a lower powder mid powder and a high power uh, powder blank and they create different visual effects before the actor is even given the weapon it's supposed to go through several stages of safety before it's handed to the actor And the actor has to entrust that the armor and everyone else involved has done their job correctly before handling the weapon or handing the weapon to the actor. The armor is fairly new. It's a job that uh, started in the 1980s. Before that, the prop master handled everything. Uh, They do go on to say that the actor is supposed to check the weapon also. Uh, This was just... There are so many people... Uh, you know, you hear these stories, Chuck, of a, of a plane crash, uh, and you find out it's not just a you know a loose bolt. It's the loose bolt when the plane got into a wake during a storm. I mean, it's all these things that kind of come together to create a catastrophe. And this looks like just that. It looks like the armor screwed up. 
Baldwin screwed up um, not just a simple... Well, and Gary, before Chuck says anything, this wasn't just a loose bolt. This was a loose nut who had a gun in his hand. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. You know, it's, if, if he knew anything about guns, uh, I don't think he, I don't think this would have happened. Yeah, it's it's just unfortunate way around. Just a um, just a combination of uh, irresponsibility from several different individuals, but mainly, like uh, was said earlier, uh, Alec Baldwin was the one that's totally responsible. And we've we've uh, I hear it on your show all the time, Gary. I've said it many times. It's not. It's not the firearm. It's the individual, the person that that handles the firearm incorrectly. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, terrible. A prop firearm so, could apply to anything from a rubber toy to a real firearm that can fire a projectile. However, if it's used for firing, even just blanks, it's considered a real gun. Uh, blank is a type of gun cartridge that contains gunpowder but no bullets, still can seriously hurt or kill someone who is close by. Uh, it's unclear what was shot out of the gun by Baldwin on the set, but I just heard on the news, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, um, didn't they say that this thing was loaded with real rounds, the whole... Yes. I, and I've he heard uh, multiple reports from a whole bunch of different sources that, uh, you know, some you hear it was uh, a, a blank... It's like, no, it was just one round, and I'm hearing, no, the gun was fully loaded. So we just don't know. All right, let me uh, let me get a phone call or two in here. 874-9390-800-529-5572. Chris, welcome. How are you? Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to find any blank rounds that can go through one person and hit the other. So it was live ammo. Oh, I, well, uh, let, me, let me just ask uh, Garson about this. What if there's a squib in there? What if there was... Um, something that was lodged in the barrel and then propelled when the blank went off. Would so, that be powerful enough to go through somebody? Yes, because that's how Brandon Lee was killed on the set of The Crow. So it could have been a squib. All well, right. and, and we go back to, <laughs> I think the number one question, there's a lot of questions here, but the question is, we're going to assume the last news report was right, that the gun had live ammo in it. Uh, why, would be, why would there be any live ammo on a movie scene? Okay? Unless, as I... I, I had heard a rumor that there was a personal firearm of somebody that, else on that, set. That's exactly what I was saying yesterday, that we got them crossed up, somebody grabbed the wrong magazine, whatever. I think that's almost what it's got to go down to. But when you talked about Alec, I thought, you know, it's like that old classic deal. I'm, I'm not actually a firearms expert, but I play one in a movie, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. that's I, the, There's that's, the problem. Go ahead, Garson. Thank you, Chris. That's the other thing. So, you know, some actors, if they're anti-gun, like uh, Tom Cruise, they still care enough for their craft to go out and get training. Um, you know, for, for whatever Tom Cruise's views on gun control are, he's very proficient in his movies and the way he handles a firearm. Uh, Keanu Reeves, you know, there's tons of videos of him training with Taron Butler online. Uh, I don't know his stance on guns, but he's probably, you know, more well-trained uh, than than your average cop or gun owner um, just do the amount of effort he put into his role as John Wick. Um, it, it, it's seriously impressive for somebody who was not already a shooter to attain that level of expertise in firearms handling. And, you know, I'm assuming Alec Baldwin has taken no training. Um, otherwise, this would have been avoided entirely. Yeah, he would have known the basic rules. 
And that's what I got excoriated for, was saying that, uh, you know, you, you don't point a gun at anything you don't intend to uh, kill or destroy. Uh, and every gun is loaded all the time. Uh, and if, if you just adhered to that and not pointed that gun, these two would, uh, would not be where they're at today. 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Um, apparently, the Illinois Supreme Court has um, tossed out a, a, a gun and ammo tax. They've, they started this several years ago. They, they wanted to deter people from buying firearms and ammunition, and so they put these confiscatory taxes on them. And uh, it, it, it got bounced uh, in Illinois. But for the most bizarre reason, uh, I, it's like, what, what are these people thinking? Apparently... It's Illinois. Is there really anything that's bizarre in Illinois? All right. All right. So you got me there. That's, that's, tr <laughs> that's true. But apparently, uh, the argument for the tax was that they would use this money to fund some organization or something to, to you know, make people safer. Cook County imposed the tax on the, on the ammunition in 2015. Three years earlier, they put a $25 tax on every firearm sold. The proceeds from both taxes slated to be used for, quote, operations related to public safety. The problem was there were no specific programs where the money would go. Uh, and that ultimately is why the Illinois Supreme Court said, yeah, no, you can't collect that tax. You, you would think they would say, well, this is, you know, inhibiting people's right to protect themselves. Uh, but that was, that was not, that didn't stop them. There, and, I, and I've talked about Illinois, or at least Chicago in particular. We'll, we'll touch on that in just a few minutes because it's very difficult if you're poor and trying to defend yourself in that city. You're listening to Gary on Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Graffs has sent us Garson. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, there was like a million other people, but they were all busy. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we got Garson. But yeah, I get, the, I get the short straw every three weeks. <laughs> so, but you brought in three terrific firearms. We'll talk two, about them. In two. A, two. Yeah, but we'll talk about them in about a half an hour. Uh, and then uh, Chuck Basie, state representative, he's on board. You know what I like about Chuck Basie uh, since he's playing those cat meow sounds? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I, I have been enjoying the show the last uh, week and a half, Gary, and uh, really very entertaining. I did a lot of laughing at uh, all the people calling in about cats. Have you, uh, have you got a cat? I do not. We can't have one because uh, I have a Labrador retriever that will um, take them out. <laughs> so I, she just has something about cats, and, and uh, we've lost two of them, and we're just not going to get any more until, until she passes. But, Gary, well, you notice Chuck said he's enjoyed your show for the last week or so, suggesting <laughs> that, that prior to that. It wasn't so enjoyable? Yeah. I, so there's more than run, one reason for you to have Chuck in your sights. <laughs> You know, you attorneys, you really do think differently than the rest of us. Um, so I got a message from uh, Mike Rogers. He said, uh, I've worked in TV production. You never point the gun directly at a person. You can aim just off target, and the camera doesn't give that away. Uh, and that's what I kind of thought. They have different camera angles they would use. We were talking about uh, Alec Baldwin and that 
that horrible event. And in the, even if you were, even if it were appropriate to point at the, your fellow actor, that's not what he did. He shot a cinematographer, and I think the other person was a producer. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's like a cinematographer, I assume, camera operator, whatever. Not a fellow actor. Not somebody who's supposed to be in the scene and pointed at anyway. Obviously, we're... Anyway. Yeah, well, that was that was my point earlier. Um, and then uh, Ken sent a message. Keanu Reeves is amazing with guns. He went through a full SWAT training. Passed better than 95% of the cadets do. So, kudos to him. All right, uh, 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Uh, there was uh, another victory. Apparently, this was uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, there was a, a, a legal challenge uh, to their local gun control laws. Just in time for Halloween. Yeah, well, we've done, we've kind of eliminated that, haven't we, Chuck? Where uh, one city can have one set of rules and then another city can have a different set of rules? Yeah, and uh, we have that in statute. Uh, Kansas City and I think St. Louis not too long ago were trying to get us to modify that to where they could enact their own um, uh, gun, firearm measures and... Uh, you know, it didn't go anywhere. Uh, the mayors came down to the Capitol and were... As a matter of fact, uh, Mayor Treese came down to the Capitol with that group and were trying to uh, get that modified, but it didn't work. Well, it, it seemed to me that uh, we had different rules in different cities for open carry and concealed carry. Um, under, under state statute, I think it's Chapter 21.750, there's a provision that says, you know, the state occupies this area of the law and municipalities can't... or you know, lower levels of government can't do anything, but it does allow a municipality to say uh, that they can ban open carry except for someone who has a concealed carry permit if they want to. And I guess, I guess thinking that's a safety issue. Can they uh, still do that? I, I thought that was, see, because, you know, if I'm, say I'm driving from uh, here to St. Louis or Kansas City, and uh, I drive into one city, and I'm legal, and I drive into the next city, and I'm not legal, uh, and it's not like they have a great big neon light saying, here are all the differences in gun laws in this municipality from any other. I would have no way of knowing it. It, it just seems to me it would be unduly uh, burdensome if the state doesn't have complete control. One law. Well, the state absolutely has um, complete control over concealed carry, um, and you, so you're you're right in that the statute was changed, and actually, what it says now is nothing in this statute would prohibit any city ordinance or other political subdivision uh, from you know from passing an ordinance as long as it conforms with the provisions of the concealed carry statute or portions of it, 571, whatever. Um, so, you know, the state still regulates all legislation having to do with firearms, and city ordinances have to comply um, with state statute. All right, well, um, it, 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 if we now have a permitless carry... Uh, how does that confuse matters? Does it? Um, well, actually, I'm, I've, I've been looking over the statute as I sit here. 
um, because it was amended in 2003, which was before permitless carry. And I'm not, at a glance, I'm trying to do this and talk at the same time. You know, it's difficult. Seeing the language that used to limit, that I thought limited uh, or allowed cities to limit open carry to someone who had a permit if they wanted to. Um, but in you know, any, I'm thinking, if, I'm thinking if I'm if I'm concealed carrying, I don't have a permit. I'm permitless carrying. I blouse my shirt over my firearm. Uh, I'm at Walmart and I reach up to a top shelf and my my firearm gets exposed. I might not get in trouble in Fulton, but I might get arrested in Columbia. Uh, no. So two two things to that. First of all, if you're if it's concealed and then you reach up and it's exposed. That's, there's a specific statute that addressed that was passed, I don't know, 10 years ago, because there had been a case, I believe, where somebody alleged that someone had brandished a firearm and, by merely allowing it to be seen, which shocked some per, poor person. Um, and so the legislature passed a specific statute that basically says, just because you can see my firearm, that does not constitute brandishing. And impliedly, it's okay for someone to get a glance glance at my firearm once in a while. Um, so that's that's part of it. And then I, it, it appears I'm wrong, or I'm not finding the right statute because what I see now in twenty one seven fifty does not, or at least no longer, contains any provision that allows a municipality to limit open carry. Okay, so I was right. Wait a minute, I was right and the attorney was wrong? It happened. <laughs> I'm going to get a law license. I'm going to compete. It'd be a step down, but go ahead. <laughs> from what you're currently doing. Let me, uh, let me go back to Garson from Graphs. Because everybody asks, I mean constantly, Garson. Uh, it's like my email box is the, is, the, is the place where anybody who wants to know about the availability of ammunition sends an email. So... Out at Graphs, how are we doing for ammo? We've got a little bit of some common calibers available at the retail store at the Supercenter. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for rarer or, or less popular calibers, those are still in short supply or, or not even on most manufacturers' production tables for this year or, or maybe even next year at this time. Are we doing a shift now to shotgun uh, shells? Uh, how, how are we doing with that? I don't know where all the shotgun shells are going. I We're getting a pittance of what we normally get. Um, so I don't know if there's just supply shortages. Um, so w one of the other things I do is play disc golf. And um, disc golf discs are in short supply because the plastics used to make them are, are in short supply for some reason. So I don't know if the plastic for the holes is also in short supply. But, um, yeah, they're, they're just, I don't think they're making the same number of um, shot shells that, they, that they've made in previous years because of that. Well, if it's made out of plastic, that means that um, you need oil, crude oil. Uh, and because the administration is discouraging investment uh, in, in, uh, in, in drilling, uh, we're experiencing some shortages. And that might have something to do with your disc golf shortage. In the meantime, uh, we've got a, a break, and then uh, David Hogg, really effective. That's what Andrea Mitchell said. That's next. Gary and Guns, Hot Talk, 93.90, 55.0, 50 minutes after the hour. 
Glad to have you with us. Chuck Basie is with us. Uh, he is teasing me about the cats. I guess I'll explain that story in a moment. Uh, Dale Roberts on board with us. And uh, so, by the way, is Garson from Graf's, one of my favorite places to go shopping for guns and ammo uh, in Mexico, Missouri. They are a short ride down the road. We were talking about uh, the availability of ammo and uh, what about uh, reloading supplies? How are they doing, Garson? What? No. Reloading supplies, yeah, are we? We ain't got those. <laughs> we ain't got those. Oh, that is not, not, a, <laughs> not a happy picture there, is it? Yeah, reloading supplies aren't going to come back until the ammunition crunch is over. Wow. So a after you can buy all the ammo you want, then you'll start seeing reloading supplies. Wow, and you guys uh, are like the king of reloading supplies. All right, yeah, it we're, is we're the king of empty shelves right now. Yeah, well, hopefully that changes. Hopefully that, and, and it, it looks like it's starting to break up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, we, we get powder still from Hodgdon um, biweekly, but the, the if, if if it's not already committed to back orders, anything that's, you know, available to go on the website is sold out within, you know, an hour or two at the most. You know, I don't know if that's good for a company or not, that, you know, that as soon as it comes in, it gets sold. Uh, does that mean you're making, you know, you're, you're doing real well because everything is selling, or does that mean you're starving to death because you can't get your hands on enough stuff to make a living? In any case, it's, it's really challenging, and uh, if anybody's going to get the ammo, it's going to be graphs. So you might want to just keep in touch with the folks out there. In the meantime, um, Andrea Mitchell, it, it, do you think of her as a, a reporter or as a talk show host? Uh, I'll, I'll ask Chuck. Uh, I really don't know because I very rarely do I watch NBC. You know, I like that answer. <laughs> I, 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 just being honest, I just uh, I know of her, but I yeah. you know I just don't follow that uh, type of news. Well, I think she portrays that she's an unbiased reporter, but I think she is anything but. And I'll play some audio and get your opinions on it. Uh, let me do the cat thing so that people understand why they were playing cat sounds uh, here in the studio. Um, <laughs> My wife desperately wants a cat, and I don't like cats. Uh, they'll jump up on the you kitchen. You just got to season them right. You got to what? You just season, season them right. right. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna. The letters should go to Garson at Graf's. Um, Garson Chin. No, which that's is my. The reason he that's my that. heritage. That's my right. Oh, that. <laughs> so, so if anybody else does it, uh, isn't that cultural appropriation? Yeah. Yeah. Only you can do that. Um, Anyway, my wife wants a, a cat in the worst way, and um, she's going to get it in the worst way. I'm not getting one. I don't like cats. Uh, then she came on the radio program last week. I'm really starting to... Yeah, I'm getting angry. Now, so... <laughs> Cry she, about it. She, uh, she came on the program to promote uh, Parkinson Voice Project. Uh, they're all around the world helping people with Parkinson's disease to regain and keep their voice. And they do really remarkable work. Uh, and they do they do it for free, essentially. They <laughs> Well, at least you haven't killed anyone in a while. <laughs> so He's getting ready to. They do it for free. Uh, you can pay it forward if you can afford to, but it's free. And it is really remarkable. I've spoken. <laughs> There's something loose in the outer studio, not the inner studio this time. I've, I've, I've spoken with people 
who have been treated with Parkinson Voice Project by them. Uh, and it is remarkable the work they do. And they, they do this by having two fundraisers every year. And uh, Quinn was, was uh, in the midst of this. And I said, you know what? If you raise $5,000 in Missouri... For your fundraiser, I will. I'll, I'll get the cat. I'll put up with it. I'll, I'll get it. Brian, yes, sir. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Would you would you pot that horrible sound down? I don't hear anything. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a, a helicopter in the background. Is that, is what, that, that is? what that is? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so anyway, if you want Gwen to have a cat, go ahead and donate. But please don't donate too much. I'd like it to get to four thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and then cut off, uh, so I don't have to put up with a cat. And I do seriously not want one, but... So if it gets to 10000 do you have to get two cats? No, and I've been asked <laughs> that before. No, no, that isn't going to happen. Nay, nay, Perlene. Uh, but there is a link at GaryNolan.com. You just have to scroll down the blogs, and I think Brian's got one up at Facebook. Um, Brian, for some reason, really wants me to have this cat. I don't... It, it's, it, it uh, mystifies me why he would want, as a friend... <laughs> For me to have something that would make me miserable. I don't think it would make you miserable. I don't think that uh, you have lived with one long enough to to appreciate one. I lived with cats when my second wife uh, had three of them. Oh. Oh. I didn't know about that. Yeah. No, we're divorced. Now you know why. (laughs) Uh, All right. 874-9390. Toll free. 800-529-5572. Andrea Mitchell. Uh, it, it puts Hogg, you know who I'm talking about, uh, David Hogg, the uh, Mr. Anti-Gun kid who knows nothing about guns, uh, on uh, in an interview. And, and here is what this unbiased reporter's uh, questions sounded like. And I don't know, didn't it sound more like an opinion maker than uh, uh, an unbiased reporter. Despite the outpouring, what you and your fellow students organized, the incredible pressure... You know, as there had been after you know Sandy Springs with the with the kindergarten children, um, no federal legislation. How frustrating is it that we have such political stalemate in this country? It's deeply frustrating, but I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. It's deeply concerning for the future of our republic and the current state of our republic. Um, you know, if we have a, such a level of division in this country that we can't protect our most valuable asset, that is our future, that is our children. Um, it speaks to the severe danger that we are in as a country. Young people through March for Our Lives and um, work that we've done around the country um, with other groups as well have turned out in record numbers in 2018 and 2020. We had the, one of the highest youth voter turnouts in American history. Um, and despite all of that, we now see two senators getting in the way of a lot of this work. We see in the reconciliation bill that universal background checks you know, aren't in there. We, people are going to start to lose faith in the system. And because of that, we need to abolish the filibuster. There's no way that two senators should be able to get in the way of what well over 85 to 90 percent of Americans support was something. Can I just interject here for a second, Chuck? Uh, he's saying two senators got in the way. Isn't it more like 52 senators got in the way? Yes, and, uh, you know, the one thing that no one mentions, but I think about it, if they did that on the federal level, what if individual states did that? Like, what if the Missouri Senate uh, abolished a filibuster down there? Do you imagine the things that we could get accomplished with a supermajority in Missouri without the filibuster in, in the state? 
Yeah, well, you're not the you're not the uh, uh, the expert on that that uh, Mr. Hogg is. Well, it's always a great idea when your party's the one in in power. Yeah, well, they're acting like they have a mandate, and they don't. It's tied in the Senate, uh, and they need the VP to make a decision. It's 52 senators, not just two. You're listening to Carry On Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 The Eagle.